everybody, welcome to season 5 of What's IGN Crushing On? I'm Karen Welby-Solomon and I'm your host. And we're here to talk about what's hot in pop culture. Welcome to episode 8 of season 5. Today's episode is all about Showmax's new epic series, Blood Psalms. We chatted to creator Jamal XT Kubeka and star of the series, Bokang Falani. We'll talk more about that later, but I'm joined once again um, by Leanne. How are you, Leanne? I know I sounded like I forgot your name for a second because I didn't, but yeah. <laughs> How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good, Karen Ann. How are you? How's life out there in Joburg? Life is good. Um, it's very hot and sunny here in Joburg. I am burning up every five seconds, but um, I'm here for, I was here this weekend for Comic-Con Africa. Uh, it was, I think, the third iteration of Comic-Con Africa, my first time. It was very exciting. I don't think I've ever been to a convention on this scale before. It was, mm. it was stunning. Um, there was three big areas. There was the pop culture center, which had like stages. It had millions of stalls. It had activations from Netflix and Disney, and um, I can't even remember what who else. Sorry if I forget your name. DC. There was a DC one as well. There was KFC had a lot going on there, and then. They had a second Sorry. section. Yeah, KFC sponsored like a lot of stuff. And they had this like big stands plus a stage is sponsored by KFC. So it was like, it was like. Amazing. KFC. Yeah. Yeah, very kfc easy. And then um, there was the, sec- the, the second part was like the gaming hall. And mm-hmm. oh my word, it was out of this world. Like huge ass screens. Obviously, uh, it was sponsorships from Rode. Um, that does the microphones and the streaming. They had um, Xbox had a huge activation. Um, all of the other <laughs> PlayStation stuff, I suppose. And like, um, there was stages there where, where they had the Telcom um, gaming um, competition with like the teams. Oh, cool. And then there was yeah, big screens. And then there was also talks for people that are streamers and that kind of thing. And then the third, mm-hmm. it, the third hall was like kids con. And like, I thought that was phenomenal. They, they had a Nintendo stand. They had um, like educational books. They had authors. They had toys. They had sweets. They had oh, like, so cool. like a skating rink type thing. There was a games area. I mean, which was like, there was a Play-Doh area where like, I just smell Play-Doh and then there was like dolls and the kids could play with the dolls and like board games, which they could play with. And I was just like, and, and like big racing tracks. It looks like that kid, that KTV thing that, that used to come on when we were small with that, the mm-hmm. children would race, the little racing. Like it was like <laughs> that. And I was like, I was, I was like in my element, there was like a, a stage there too. And they did karaoke and they were like, you know, ah. Oh, but and then Nothing. also there was like I'm not, I'm not even done yet. Just wait. <laughs> oh, there was like but cosplay wait, area. More. Just like things about cosplay and cosplay artists and you know every like, like just everything catered to that. There were special rooms and the rooms were for like tabletop games. There was a room for Dungeons and Dragons. There was a room for 
other thing, like other game, like, you know, those kind of games and that kind of things. They, it's like, if you're a fan of pop culture, if you're a fan of, so like, if you're a fan of games, if you're a fan of toys, if you're a fan of any of those kind of things, it was absolute heaven. Plus they had, I mean, like, it was like a full-on KFC there. There was a full-on spa. There's, there was food stores for Africa. It was just like, like, there was just so much to do the entire day. I mean, weekend, whatever. Oh, that sounds amazing. I just, re- I was watching all your TikToks and it looked like you had a ball over time. I also was very much interested in all the things that you bought because it looks like you had very much fun shopping. <laughs> so I, um, you had to stop myself because, oh, I forgot, like I didn't even mention StreetCon. So StreetCon is like um, focused on like graffiti and drawing and clothing, um, cars, everything to do sort of like with street culture. And there was a tattoo alley and there was literally people getting tattoos. And I it was, I, I had to like stop myself from like going, I'm like, this just looks so cool. <laughs> like, then I was like, no, Karen, we, like you don't even know what you want. Then you're going to be having to do aftercare and like you alone here. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> And it's a lot of money. It's like more money. I feel like it's more expensive to have it done there than it is to have it done like normal. But um, so I bought, um, I'm a, anyone who follows me on Instagram would know. I'm a very big fan of Tasia MS. She is a graphic artist and she does stunning um, artwork. And like she does a lot of comics and stuff, but she also does a lot of pop culture things. And of course, you know me. I mean, I worship at the altar of Jane Austen and I love my period <laughs> dramas. Like that's everything. And she does beautiful reiterations of that. So I I have been a fan of hers. And the only way to buy her art usually is on Redbubble, which is like an international site. And I'm always like, she look, I know she's South Africa. Now I've got to like get it shipped. But I came to the con and I like I met her and I got to buy her prints from her stand, which was amazing. And I got a uh, Pride and Prejudice one. I got an Emma one. I got one with um, Audrey Hepburn and Marilyn Monroe. I got a Princess Diaries one, Clueless, Bridgerton. Um, what is the other one I got? Princess Diary 6? Maybe 6 is right. No, I think it is one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you got so many. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure I got one more. Um, let me just look. Sorry if you guys hear rustling. It's like an unboxing video, Gambit. but audio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, audio. Queen's Gambit. I also got three new pop Funkos. Uh, Funko Pops, whatever. Um, I have got a collection already, but I got three new ones. I got. I went to the Funko shop at Comic-Con, and they were selling, there was some that was going for like 100 rand each, so I bought like two four hundred and a good deal. Yeah, I got Captain Carter from What If because y'all know I love my girl Peggy Carter, and then mm-hmm. I got Kate Bishop from Hawkeye, and then today I went to that and I got um, very niche audience Diane Chambers from Cheers. So yeah, I I love Diane from Cheers. So I actually uh, inside info, but so I've been buying pop like Funko Pop, Pop Funkos, whatever you call it. Funko? Yeah, the other brand is Funko. Funko Pops for like years. And in South Africa, it's very easy to get like the Marvel, you know, the popular things like Marvel, Harry Mm -hmm. Potter, that kind of things. But like, I'm more interested, 
in the in the niche like especially characters from film and TV that mm. you don't usually get here. And I thought this was a perfect opportunity because at um, a Comic-Con you usually find these kind of things because there's so many different brands that like import them in. And, mm. you know, there were some that were like 600 Rand and I was like, I'm going to take a step back. But I got my Diane Chambers and I was very excited about that. I'm still waiting for a Golden Girls. I would like Golden Girls, but yeah. Oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> um. So yeah, I got I got three pop Funkos, Funko Pops, whatever. Someone in someone who's listening to this is gonna get so annoyed by me saying it wrong all the time. And then I also <laughs> got um, from Stitch My Itch, which is an Instagram shop that does a lot of fandom clothing, great quality clothes. So I got a um, a Wakanda T'Challa Forever T-shirt, very very trendy. I will post on Instagram as well mm-hmm. as a beautiful mug with um the three spider-men hugging and it's like oh, painted it's very i got that um yeah i think that's about it <laughs> um i was i'm very cognizant of the fact that i have to travel with all the stuff back home to get down so i was like i can't buy anything big <laughs> that i'm gonna have to like sort out uh, that i'm gonna have to fit in my luggage um but yeah, I bought a lot of things. And also just one more thing I want to add. Sorry, I'm, I'm ranting on one. But there was also celebrity guests. Um, of course, the most famous being Jamie Campbell Bower from mm-hmm. Stranger Things, The Mortal Instruments, Harry Potter, Twilight, all the franchises. He was so charming. Like, I, I, did, I didn't meet him personally, but I was I watched his panel. And he, he spoke... Um, he was just so cute and the way he was chatting and he was just like loving being here and he was so gracious. And then um, the host, I can't remember his name. He hosts like all the com- all the Comic-Cons in the world. But he, mm-hmm. this guy, and he asked him a question about like, like if he's ever forgotten a line or whatever. And he's like, and Jamie's like, darling. And the way he said darling was so adorable. Oh, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, so he was very cute. There was also Ross Butler from... Um, Riverdale, 13 Reasons Why, Shazam, um, to all the boys um, series of films. He, he was also very cute. He was like, every time the host asked him a question, the MC asked him a question, he would ask the audience a question as well. And he was like <laughs> chatting with the audience. And he was talking about how he does salsa. And then he brought one of the girls up to dance with him. And... It was very cute, but he also he was just very clueless about South Africa. So he kept on asking questions like, uh, they'll be like, oh, what do you do for fun? And he was like, oh, no, or something like that. And he's like, I salsa, I like to salsa dance. Do you guys have salsa dance here? And he'll be like, oh, these are the movies. I'm he's like, anime, do you guys know anime? I'm like, 90% of this audience is dressed up like anime characters. How? What do you and mean? And then he was like, I have this romantic comedy. Do you guys know romantic comedies? I'm like, we are South Africa. <laughs> We're not like we are not like an imaginary not aliens. <laughs> yeah, do you guys know? And then he's like, and then when you spoke, like I swear for ten minutes just about food and all the food he likes, and he's like, and then he was talking about ramen, and he's like, do you guys have ramen here? And I was like, no, man, this is getting too far. Um, but yeah, he was he was very cute, and he just looked so excited to be there. Um, I was telling you earlier, like like an hour or so ago, I was walking around the floor and he was also just casually, him and his bodyguard, just walking around, 
checking out the stalls and stuff like that, which I thought was also pretty cool. Um, and then also um, Dylan, Dylan Spa Sparberry, as well mm -hmm. as uh, Dylan, who plays Liam and Teen Wolf. Remember Liam? Oh, that guy. Yes, 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 yes. Sprayberry. Yes, yeah, Sprayberry. And then Kylan Rambo, who played Mason in Teen Wolf. Oh, cool. His best friend. They were mm -hmm. also there. Um, I didn't actually get to see their panel, but because they were there Thursday to Saturday. I only arrived Friday, and yeah, I just didn't manage to see their panel. Um, but yeah, they were also, yeah, they were like pretty cool. So, yeah, um, that was Comic Con Africa this year. It was. It was a lot, I must say. It was very exciting. And we will post videos and stuff on our Instagram and our TikTok. And we will, um, and pictures and stuff. And yeah, it's, um, we hope you guys join us next year at Comic Con Africa and also at Comic Con Cape, well, Comic Con Africa in Cape Town in April mm -hmm. next year at the DHL Stadium. That's probably where we are more likely to be. But um, but yeah, it was it was an event. It was fun. Like, so these are the kind of things I miss during COVID. Um, mm. And I'm so glad that we have the opportunity to do these things again. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. So talking about like epic fantasy and crazy fun. <laughs> Um, this episode, we are focusing on Showmax's huge show, Blood Psalms. Like, once I've so I've seen the first two episodes, and once you watch it, you're like, these people have budget, like, <laughs> like, oh, this South African show is doing things I've never seen South African show just do before, and um, and yeah, it's just it looks great. It's a very interesting story and it reminds me, so so a lot of, I spoke about this in the interview, but a lot of people have been comparing it to Game of Thrones, like Africa's Game of Thrones, because it also has this mm -hmm. kind of like, um, histor like kind of based on history, but a lot of fantasy in it as well. And mm -hmm. um, it's got that kind of vibe to it. But like the first two episodes, a lot of like story, like we are, telling the story so it's like heavy and you're trying to like who's this people and it's different houses fighting against each other and mm -hmm. um has like on their website done like like breakdown of the houses which i also needed even though i watched it but so let me tell you more about it in ancient africa 1000 years after the fall of atlantis the five surviving tribes face each face another danger, a prophecy which speaks of the end of the world. So this is like a very baseline storyline mm -hmm. to what the show is actually about. But in our first interview, we sp I spoke to the creator, Jam Jamil XT Kubeka, and he basically explains in his words what he see, where the inspiration came from, what the story's about. And I kind of feel like that, was a better explanation for me than like the baseline but there's just it's just such a compelling and like layered storyline that it's very difficult to explain it in like a basic synopsis mm. even before i'd watch a show i didn't really and didn't really know what it was about until i was actually seeing it in front of me and it's yeah it's it's, it's honestly unlike anything i've seen before on south african television 
and it's it's very compelling like and I, I I'm gonna uh, we speak about it at length while Jamil he explains that he did it so beautifully but he talks about how one of the things that really stood out for me in this interview and you guys will hear it now is that he talks about how you know when we think about ancient times in a European culture even if we even in an Asian culture we can mm. we can go back and we can look at what it was like in ancient China mm. or you know in like in, in in different like obviously Russia in Turkey we can we can go back obviously England mm. but why is it that we can't we can't even imagine a past of like ancient Africa further than Egypt yeah so and you know you know obviously there's these things we know here and there so he's like he took a moment and like he did he did extensive research and he just imagined and what came out of it was so interesting um so i just i just love this idea i just love us imagining our own past and going back and you know telling our own stories it's just really well done so i'm not going to say any more like jamil says best so here's our interview with jamil xt kubeka so jamil how are you how you how's this year been for you oh how has this year been i'm good i'm good i'm strong um i'm trying to keep it together you know um (laughs) life always throws you all sorts of curveballs but uh, that's not unique to me. I think that's um, every human's uh, fundamental struggle. But uh, the year has been great. We're in September. Can't believe how quickly it's gone by. And I'm still plugging holes from February, man. And I can't <laughs> believe the year's already up. So, yeah. But um, I'm happy to be on your platform. Um, thank you for the invitation and the interest. So, so tell us more about what Blood Psalms is about. Oh, what is Blood Psalms? Blood Psalms is an 11-part epic tale that is set 11,000 years ago um, at a cataclysmic time for the Earth. We'll get into that in a sec. But, um, and it focuses on, on a, a group of, of, of tribes in one particular section of our continent. And um, it's really about power and uh, the... The, what happens to us essentially when we feel like we're losing it. You spend so much time attaining power, but then once you have it, it seems like it's an endless quest to maintain it, you know? And uh, how do you maintain it at a time when everything seems to be falling apart? Um, you know, we term this thing a uh, force majeure. There are, there are certain... Uh, things or elements that sit beyond the control of mankind. And if you profess to be the leader of mankind at any given point in time, um, how do you uh, maintain control in a time where globally there seems to be forces at play that are way bigger than than what you could ever be? Um and how do you maintain uh, control in such turbulent times? I mean, sure, the thematics are quite epic and grandiose, but it's really also inspired by kind of where we are today. 
I think we're in a time and a period where um, what we term to be, call it quote unquote reality or the vestiges of, of, of or the pillars of, 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 of society seem to be dwindling and, 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 and kind of fading away day by day. Um, there's no more heroes left in the world. Um, we're constantly looking at a, at a space where the individual, it's up to literally the individual to try and carve out and hope what is tomorrow because there's no clear indication from the powers that be and our leaders. So, um, yeah, it's a similar kind of mindset, but set 11,000 years ago. And just like I believe we do as humanity in whatever age, we're always questioning the age that we live in. And we always have this innate fear that we could be living the last days. Wow. So that's what it's about. So what inspired the series? Ah, uh, I could write a thesis on that. Uh, well, for me, it's the question mark, right? Mm. Um, the question mark around identity and heritage. So just, just humor me for a sec. Um, for instance, if we had to look at your own heritage, how far back can you trace your lineage on both sides? Me? Yeah, um, you. On one, on one side, I can go, this is actually very, very poignant for me because I'm very into this. So um, I've gone back like the year 900 on one aspect. But, um, but then... Most of my family, I can't go back further than like the late 1800s. Aha. Uh -huh. And that 900, uh, is it, um, I'm, I'm assuming obviously um, that you're a nice, eclectic, uh, <laughs> uh, beautiful, beautiful, exotic mix of, of, of cultures. Dare I say the one that you can trace back the longest, which one is it? Is it your Western heritage or is Western. it the... the very much with yes <laughs> yes 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 now there's a reason for that um you know um those that are the victors those that are uh, pick up the pieces or the the progeny of, of the victors shall we rather call them um get to tell the story mm. and and that's why you you can trace that aspect of you but i can assure you that uh, the, the 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 african blood that courses through your veins mm. that you don't know it's quite about yeah um and, but there's a reason for that you know we've even gone into a space or a, a sense of thinking and and believing that um oh no you know african heritage it's also part of african culture not to record the past which is a bunch of gobbly gook mm. um where I'm really coming from when I talk about inspiration is the fact that if you take all of the tribes, all of the tribes of Southern Africa, okay, indigenous tribes, okay, none of them, including the oldest, um, which is the Koi, um, none of them in terms of their current definition are older than the city of London. Whether you're Zulu, Sutu, Kosatwana, da 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 da, Shona, Shonga, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter which persuasion you are, but if you are of an indigenous uh, tribe of Southern Africa, 
your heritage as far as you can trace it. Mm. Unless you take some kind of uh, ayahuasca trip and try to connect with your ancestors in other ways, <laughs> but uh, a psychedelic trip, but beyond that kind of shamanistic kind of practices, um, you have uh, uh, a heritage that is younger than the city of London. And you ask me, what is my inspiration? It's exactly that. To me, I find that mind-boggling. It makes no absolute sense. We always say, hey, Africa, you know, this is where we all, we all came from. So let's take that hypothesis just for a sec, okay? This we all came from Africa bit, okay? Increasingly, the date of how old uh, uh, humanity is is being pushed back all the bloody time, okay? And with each push... It, it, it puts light on the man, the Western man, a white man's story, right, of who and what we all are as humanity, because we've had to read their books and their explanations, right? Also with reason. But when they give us their explanations of this, they give us a 6,000-year history, 2,000 years after the man, after Jesus, and, and, and uh, 4,000 years before Jesus, Okay. 6,000 years of human civilization, if you will. That's their story of who and what we are. Everything else is rocks rocks and, 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 and loincloths, as far as they say. Okay? Now, the diabolical uh, 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 um, age that is increasingly being pushed back by scientists every single day, disputing each other, um, coming up with new facts, pushes the date to at least beyond 200,000 years, mm. okay, in terms of how old man is, okay, on this continent. Now, what have we been doing for over 200,000 years, okay, to only have the 6,000 years of endeavor, which in it we're at the bottom of the chain and we're also, uh, you know, getting scraps of it. So it's not like we're part of that civilization, mm. That civilization civilized us, according to man's history. So we've been doing nothing for 200 and something thousand years, you know, smoking grass, you know, and living in mud huts. How does that make any kind of sense? Mm -hmm. So to me, that has always been an instinctive proclivity, saying the story makes no sense to me, none whatsoever. And I've always pushed uh, my creativity, my questioning, my being from that uh, sense of space of asking who and really and what are we? Because the story that we're given really is not the truth. So I won't make this too long, but just to answer your question on the inspiration for Blood Psalms. Um, for me, there's a lovely clue because then I become a, a detective of history, right? Not necessarily a, uh, an expert at it but one who questions, always looking back. That's, that, that's what my psyche uh, um, is, 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 is fascinated by. And in my looking back, it seems, I will put it to you, that um, we have what I would term cyclic cataclysms that have happened on this earth over specific periods of time. And um, the distinction of these cataclysms is that they've been wholly devastating, but also resetting pretty much 
be it some of them have been so devastating that they've moved, shifted magnetic poles. Some of them have been so de devastating that they have either brought up uh, a land that were underwater or sunk those that were above. Okay. And this has happened periodically a quite a few times on planet Earth. Um, you know, the Mayans speak about it in their, in their Mayan calendar quite, 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 quite extensively, where you see cycles of what they term to, well, at least my interpretation of it being um, uh, 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 their interpretation of, of consciousness or measurement of consciousness through time. It would seem that the earth over specific periods recycles itself. Um, whether that is induced by those that are on it or it's a natural cause, nobody knows. But these resets, the other thing about them is that they happen overnight. It's not like long gestating periods. No, the devastation happens, boom, overnight. Tomorrow it's a different world. It's like almost a, a reset in that way. So my question then becomes, if we've had these, I think um, the most devastating one, uh, the last dev major devastating one was about 11,000 to 12,000 years ago. For that, 33,000 years before that, um, in America, there's something called the Young um, uh, is it Address. Uh, I'm not going to mention the name because I can't pronounce it. But basically, the, the, there's clear evidence of a catastrophe that might have happened close on to maybe 50,000 years ago in America, where a comet might have hit the planet in North America and was of such a devastating uh, effect and consequence that, again, it created one of these overnight resets. That might have been about 50,000 uh, years ago. But prior to that, I mean, after that, there's been a, quite a few. And then, of course, you get these biblical references, mm -hmm. even though they're vague and there's something else, but you get all these biblical references of floods and, and, and the like. Um, and also even culturally, you, you get in, in even in, in uh, um, uh, uh, indigenous people have, have traditions around floods and, and devastation and a world before. So my hypothesis, which is really the formation of what Blood Psalms is, is that the world that you see there is part of the last days of a previous civilization. And we start looking at the effects of the devastation of what happened. We ask the question rather than come up with the answer because something happened. And I believe a rumble. Or is it just me? It's the train that it's the train. Ah, oh, okay. It's not my stomach. <laughs> okay. I know I haven't had lunch yet. <laughs> um, so really, um, what's happening with me both creatively, but just also on a personal level. Um, I just feel that humanity has a collective amnesia. I'm part of that school of thought. I'm, I'm not unique to it. This is quite a common uh, hypothesis now. Um, but um, I'm definitely part of that school because it it, it sits quite well with, with where my headspace is. Now, the interesting thing about going back and about these civilizations that seem to have been wiped out across the planet through devastation, other self-made or otherwise, or natural, um, something else starts to creep up. 
which is clear evidence of technology in this unexplained, antiquated, reset past. But not only like clear uh, signs of technology, but like uh, diabolical uh, te technology that even uh, um, threatens our understandings and our uh, perspectives of, 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 of today, where you, one would look at, at, at this belief or what we've been given in terms of reality of saying that humanity has been on a on an upward approach seems to be a bit of a lie where it may have been that we seem to have started and come from a higher uh, civilization that was somehow reset took us back to prehistoric days and we've had to come back up and it seems that um those that are leaders, the captains of our quest, current quest, are those who, in that devastation, were in the in the position of least uh, 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 um, loss. Here's an example for you, right? Think about it. If if we had major cataclysm like today, um, how long would it take for the citizens of Cape Town and Johannesburg to survive? You know. Um, if we had no access to our accounts, no access to electricity, and no access to imme immediate access to food, it wouldn't take long for our civilization to collapse. Mm. But if you mm. are in the rural parts of South Africa, your shit is fucked up anyways. Excuse my French. <laughs> 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 and no disrespect to people out in rural areas, you know? I mean, hey, there are people there who are living... Uh, 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 admirable lives that we would all love to to, to live, but I, I just mean for for the sake of example mm. and being frivolous. Mm -hmm. um, if you are off the grid, the more off grid you are, the less affected you would be with an immediate cataclysm. And I believe that's probably what happened in that past. And thusly, those who did survive would be all of a sudden at the top of the food chain. I mean, the Jesus story says it itself, right? Um, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And that's what we've lived through this Piscean age of the past 2,000 years with a heritage that makes no sense. So blood psalm stems from that space as a person, as an indigenous person of, 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 of any fundamental uh, lost world, because that's what we all are, including um, the, the Western whites and Europeans. There's a past history that none of us are connecting with. We're only, it's only hitting us subconsciously through certain feelings. But uh, um, yeah, humanity, in my view, is, is, has an amnesia state, suffering from a, an, a collective amnesia. And um, the story that we've been given just does not hold water. So entertainment, such as Blood Psalms, is about you know, just scratching a little bit of that surface. It's not providing you with any answers. But it's just to say, hey, I think there's a little bit more here, more at play. So let's 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 enjoy it at least in the form of fantasy, but also you know be inspired to search a little bit deeper. Especially asking the question, as I said before, why is our collective Southern African heritage younger than the city of London? Hmm. 
Okay, um, so I've heard a lot of people refer to Blood Psalms as being like the African Game of Thrones. And do you see that as accurate, like as an accurate description? Because also, because I felt that Blood Psalms seems a little bit more historical than Game of Thrones, if that makes sense. Like both fantasy, but, I, you know, at least the places mentioned in Blood Psalms, I felt like, or places I was familiar with or that I could research or something like that. What do you, how do you see it? Um, for me, it is certainly Africa's answer to Game of Thrones. Um, I would take that, that challenge on certainly. And what do I mean by that? I'm not, uh, we're not trying to be Game of Thrones. We're not trying to, you know, um, uh, uh, emulate anything that they have done. I use that simply as a shorthand to say, well, what are, what is at play there? At play there is uh, 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 westernized fantasy, right? Of, of their heritage, cultural heritage, creating heroic archetypes for us to enjoy and consume. So, and it's set in a period and time that asks the question, could we have had such a world? But again, in those broad uh, um, strokes, it still uh, um, puts it in, in, in the prism of, of seeing it through uh, westernized eyes. From my perspective, what Blood Psalms does, and which is why then the, you know, quote unquote, uh, 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 um, connector of saying, hey, so is this like Game of Thrones? It's to say, well, here is a time, it, it's fantasy in a time that uh, uh, um, you would have to imagine. And thusly, it shares a similar heritage to, 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 to uh, Game of Thrones. And also, it deals with cultural uh, uh, archetypes, historical archetypes, and heroic ones in a African and Black context, which could be mirror-imaged with what um, they do with fantastical shows like a uh, a uh, Game of Thrones. So just like in Game of Thrones, you'll have a archetypal handsome hero like uh, Jon Snow, and what that heritage means in terms of who and what they are as a people, my offering would be General Tuka, you know, of uh, the uh, Akachi tribe or the House of Akachi. Uh, and what that is about and where the similarities would be is to say, oh, well, there's a call to arms by saying it's our Game of Thrones or our answer to Game of Thrones, because it's to say, aside from just general entertainment, it's also fulfilling a cultural need that is not there. Um, if our framework of our history is younger than the city of London, how far can we go in our own imaginations of creating our quote unquote uh, heroic archetypes? How are we going to form our Achilles and uh, Atlas and uh, Zeus and all of these stories that they stole from us anyways? 
But how are we going to form our true forms of that? It's not enough to say, oh, well, this is a stolen heritage and blah, blah, blah. But then what is the heritage? And at least how do we start scratching that surface? And for me, it was really about going back and, and starting to reclaim uh, a part of that heritage, which is quite evident in our today. You know, um, the Egypt, Egyptation, if you want to call it that, of, 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 Af of North Africa and Kemet, old Kemet, um, is a major aspect or move uh, by the West and Europe to erode any kind of connection for us as African children with the glorious past. It's as simple as that. If you don't have a reference to any glorious past, how is how are you going to form, how are you going to deal with your present in order to form your future? So there's a, a political war at hand in that level of things. You know, I think in... Uh, it's akin to in America with the civil rights uh, movement when there was a big questioning around dolls, for instance, how black kids are being given white dolls to play with and comb that hair and aspiration. Where's that going to leave them as coarse-haired, dark individuals who are not represented in, in, in the aspiration of even their play? What does that do for selfhood? So it's the same thing in entertainment. You know, I love me a good Marvel film. Sorry, not to name drop. But, you know, um, barring the odd image here or there, it's hard to find a sense of self in, in, in modern day uh, uh, um, consumed uh, entertainment. You know? unless it's packaged in very specific ways. Hip hop, uh, American sports, hell, all sports. <laughs> um, you know, um, aside from these uh, very present packages, or even if you're gonna say gloriously, oh, well, at least they gave us music or some level of music. Yeah, but it was rooted in their pain and their slavery and their da da da, da you know? Um, we just don't have a glorious past to to hark back to, and um, the 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 stepping stones are around for me entertainment and the creation of these archetypes. Um, as a child who grew up in eighties apartheid South Africa, going to white schools, um, I remember feeling a little something as I played with my He-Man toy when I was in sub B or, you know, back then, I don't know what that is, second grade? What is sub B? I have no idea. Yeah, grade two. Yeah. And playing with that little He-Man figure and being like, wow, this figurine of, of masculinity, oh, so white, oh, so different from me, with a pointed nose and, you know, a very specific kind of look flowing hair, everything that I'm not. Um, what does that do to that little kid growing up? What images does he find to, 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 to grow his own sense of self? And it's the heroic archetypes. Um, 
it wouldn't be such a political thing if the erosion of those archetypes wasn't. It was. So the answer to it has to have some level of, 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 of politics in it. But having said that, you know, um, our main thing is to entertain, believe it or not. You know, I've been chatting here forever. Uh, I'm not here to preach. I'm here to entertain. And that's the fundamental of what we do. So what is Blood Psalms? It's a glorious, magical uh, um, action-adventure series set in this fantastical world. So, yeah, never, never mind the baggage. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jamil. That was our interview with Jamil XT Kubeka. Um, now, we also chatted to Bokang Filani, who, who plays the character of Princess Zazie in the show. She's the main character. And we only really get to meet her in the second episode. But, but you know, she's she's also a very, she's, she's a very charming actress, I must say. Like, and I enjoyed chatting to her. But Leanne, I must say, I, I didn't realize, okay, I didn't realize, I did realize how old I am when we were talking about, like, we, so we spoke about the first celebrity crush and she mentioned hers, which is mm -hmm. somebody I remember being very popular when I was about 18 years old. And oh. I said mine and she, and she was like, I have no idea who that is. And I was, I wasn't surprised, <laughs> but I mean, I was just like, yeah, I'm old. But um, <laughs> this was a lovely chat and she's, 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 a, she's a great girl. So this is our chat with Pokang Falani. Hawakang, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I must admit, I've only seen the first two episodes of Blood Psalm, so I've seen you in one of them. Yes. Um, <laughs> but you did an amazing job, and I'm, and I'm so glad that, you know, I get a chance to chat with you today. So how are you? How has this year been for you? Oh, wow, this year has been really good this year has been uh very busy it's also certainly a year that i'm just generally excited about in terms of the kind of work that's coming out of the film sector in south africa mm. so tell us more about princess zazi like what's her deal her deal is <laughs> she once upon a time just knew her life as this you know the life of a perfect princess with no concerns until she's met with a prophecy basically about her people's um like an end of doom prophecy for her people that she's going to bring you know and then she finds herself at a place where she has to figure out who she is you know and not who people define her as according to this prophecy that she will she will bring of doom and save herself and also save her nation in the progress so tell me what is it about blood psalms that drew you to the project what drew me to the project was the idea that Jamil had really to sort of reimagine uh, Africans, you know, in a different way. We all know, you know, the way sort of like Africa is sort of like depicted with sort of like um, the idea that nothing glorious came out of Africa. Mm -hmm. So the idea of depicting us as uh, uh, people who are just beautiful, divine and all that, I was usually drawn to that. And also drawn to the story of a, a coming of age of like a, a young woman, a young woman really who finds herself in a place where 
there is power and she's told that that power is hers, but it really isn't hers until she figures out who she is, you know, in this space and how she can utilize the power. So, yeah, it's a powerful story. Mm. And it's and it's great because in, in fantasy, we don't usually see um, women in charge. We also don't usually see black women in charge. You feel like that was like a lot of pressure on you or were you glad to tell that story? Um, both. I'm super glad to tell that story. And I also feel like because we set out on this mission to really reimagine now that we're finally here, you know, it's great to see the final result, the result of like a reimagining of our, our, our greatness. But I definitely think, you know, just on a, on a conversational and a consciousness level, we as the audience and as artists are craving a, a female character, strong female characters that really represent the, the journey that women are really going through right now, which is an empowered journey, a journey of occupying space and making your voice heard. Mm. So when you were, you know, create like preparing for this, how, like what inspiration did you draw for the character? Um. I drew a lot of inspiration. I drew inspiration from a lot of day-to-day uh, -day, uh, women who are doing great things. To be honest with you, because um, I felt like Princess Princess Zazi's journey is one of finding yourself in this space and then making yourself in the space, you know. Mm -hmm. And then uh, sometimes we only we only tend to focus on the people who are pushing the furthest or in the most uh, visible visible spaces but the journey of uh the self-determining uh woman is one that's so depthy so i drew a lot of inspiration from a lot of uh the, the black female journey that was uh, around me at the time so when you were um when you were reading the script and stuff what inspired you the most about your character i'm not inspired sorry what surprised you the most about your character Getting my own com questions confused. <laughs> <laughs> what 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 surprised, surprised me the yeah. most about the character? Hmm. What surprised me the most about the character? Oh my gosh! My apologies. It's fine. It's fine. Okay, I'm gonna immediately silence it. Wasn't aware that was happening. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Um. Yes. What was surprising about the character is, you know, I just kind of felt like you know, without giving away anything because obviously so far pertaining you know how how much of this the the, the series you viewed is only two mm -hmm. episodes you, you're yet to explore a lot more of princess zazi but i think what really surprised me or i had difficulty with, with princess zazi is how far things go before they don't have to go far like it's just you know mm. <laughs> so um yeah as as a as a as bokang personally you know uh, dancing with the character that was always there the were always some parts where I was like I 100% would not but you know <laughs> it's, it's Princess Nazi's journey and mm. we go through we don't judge it we understand it which is also part of my job right living uh, someone else's experience and not judging it but understanding its truth and trying as much as possible to honor its truth so yeah it was it was it's what surprised me is just how I had to navigate between the differences between me and, and Princess Nazi so um so tell me like what was your favorite scene of the season without spoilers like you can give me some sort of clues to uh, it <laughs> oh how do i i mean uh oh hmm, my favorite scene okay it would have to be uh, i i can't without not i feel like i'm going to 
give away spoilers. You know what? Let me just say this. Okay. Blood Sums is jam-packed with absolutely <laughs> everything tantalizing to an audience member. So if you're in there looking for some action, you've got it, some romance, you've got it, some, you know, epicness, you've got it, mm. some dragons, you've got it. So um, unfortunately, I don't want to spoil anything, but I just want to say it is definitely the guaranteed entertainment ride we have promised. <laughs> so so what was it like filming this? I mean, I know you guys filmed this quite a while ago, but it's, you know, we haven't seen something this epic on like South yeah. African sc screens before. So what is that experience like? You know, from the get-go, the pressure was always on because in this production, it was pretty clear that we're making something different right from the beginning. But there was this sense on energy that, you know, everybody is putting the absolute most best foot forward and we all feel honored by this space and in time and that we get to create and play in such a world with the resources that we want. I mean, production, you know, uh, production design built a whole Egyptian citadel, you know, right mm -hmm. in, in whole, whole Delhi, you know. The wardrobe was absolutely spectacular. We as the artists also had all the resources that we needed in, in terms of like um, training was facilitated for us and obviously to work within that wardrobe, within the space and with the director. It was, it, it was all such like a surreal moment that, the only thing that the moment called for and which I feel everybody did just by bringing was everybody just brought their, their, their best prepared self, you know, honored the story the most and honored the, the opportunity the most. And that's why I personally feel so proud of what that mm -hmm. sums is. And I'm so confident that South Africans are going to love the reflection of themselves that they'll see within that sums. So, so tell me, what is the most unexpected lesson that you learned during this whole experience? <laughs> Uh, I, you know, like I always, uh, the unexpected lesson was just that when you are in production and you're doing something, it's all or nothing. And I've always known that, and you know, that going into a production, but I, and you, 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 you calculate the conditions in your head. It's going to be winter, you know, it's a pre-colonial situation. Mm -hmm. How's the wardrobe? We're like sleeveless. We're like, top, we're topless, we're all those stuff. And then you actually get to the scene and then you, you get to the, the, the place and you shoot the, the scene with the conditions and then it really hones in and, and it's like yes this is what it means this is the process this is what it means it means this to go through it to be here with it to sit in the uncomfortable and, and create you know this moment yeah mm. so what would you like the audience to leave the series um thinking or feeling like what do you want what do you want them to leave it with leave it with i want them to leave feeling like wow, that was mind-blowing and entertaining. I want them to leave feeling proud mm -hmm. of what um, South Africans can do, what their what their favorite filmmakers can do. The, the, this is African excellence. This is really world-class. It could stand par to par with any epic fantasy, mythology, drama series. Um, yeah, people must just be entertained. It's this Blood Sounds is an offering of entertainment and love from the artist but also a good moment to reflect upon ourselves and say we are great we could be great this is us we are great mm, i love that so one last question before we finish things off i just want to ask you this is the question we ask everyone but yeah. who was your first celebrity crush my first celebrity crush it's chris brown chris <laughs> baby it's a man 
Hanap na. Okay, I love it. Now that you've asked, I have to ask you, who was your first celebrity crush? Oh no, gosh. <laughs> I'm I'm a lot older than you so it's a lot more embarrassing but <laughs> I was um I don't know if you remember um John Stamos he was no. in Full House No I don't remember John Stamos from Full House but now I'm going to google <laughs> He was really cool when I was like 5 okay <laughs> Ah that is a throw back of <laughs> I get Uh, but but thank you so much for coming. This was I'm so excited for everyone to see the show and see how amazing you are in it. And um, this was so lovely. Thank you so much. It was fantastic. Thank you for having us. And also, I'll have it. Thank you for having me. Um, one last thing that I want to say is 28th of September. Whoop, whoop. Only on Showmax. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> That was our chat with Bokang Falani. Blood Song premieres on Showmax on Wednesday, the 28th of September. Two episodes will drop the first week, first week with new episodes weekly thereafter. So we're so excited to hear what you guys think about Blood Song. So let us know. And before we knock it off for this week, we of course have to do our favorite segment of the week, which is crushing on. So Leanne, we didn't have you here last week, so. Tell us, what have you been crushing on? I have been crushing on the Woman King. Uh, we very luckily got a chance to go. Or I was very luckily I got the chance to go to the pre-screening um, at the waterfront, and it was amazing. I mean, we knew it would be amazing because it has Viola Davis and Hashana Lynch and Hero Fine Stephen and John Boyega and Tessa Umbedu. But like it was, so I'll be honest. When 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 I saw the trailer and stuff, I was a little bit concerned because I was like, "Oh, is it just gonna be one of these like people trying to push a narrative or an agenda, and it's gonna be very like one sided or whatever?" Or very because when Americans tell African stories, it tends to be kitsch, if I can put it that way. Um, but actually, like so good. So it's inspired by true events. Uh, the Woman King is the story of the Agoji, which was an all-female unit of warriors who protected the African Kingdom of Dahomey in the 1800s. Um, and I mean, it's a complex story. Uh, I think social media kind of touched on it before I watched it, and I was like, "Oh, this is weird." But it's because um, it has to do with the slave trade and tribalism within Africa, and then. It's got like these big themes going on, but then it also has like very personal, emotional storytelling in it. Um, it follows the story of Naniska, who's played by Viola Davis, um, and just oh, she's amazing. I like there are no words for her. She's so amazing, and I'm not gonna lie. This is the first time I've actually watched Tuso Mbedu in something, and I get the hype she is phenomenal um lashana lynch was just incredible yeah no it was it was so good so i i 10 out of 10 recommend go watch it it's so good um and because it was a pre-screening i will say this they had a couple of people from the movie in the theater so our very own seven gazy features and like i was like oh okay yeah they got like a couple of local people in it because it's shot 
in the, it was like shot in Cape Town. So like you really noticeably see the castle. If you've been to the castle, you pick it up in the scenes. But like Sivan Gezi is like a proper supporting role. Like he's in multiple scenes with Viola and John Boyega. And to, it's in, it's insane. Like it's just, it's so good. Go watch it. Um, and also we're giving you a chance to win. So um Thanks to the team at Filmfinity. We're giving you a chance to win one of three Woman King hampers. It contains a rucksack, a sports towel, a cool little protein shaker, and a headband, each valued at 800 bucks. So follow us on social media and uh, you could be winning. Ah, that sounds so cool. Um, I want to say certain guesses also win blood songs. So... <laughs> Look at him doing the things. I'm like, look at, look at you, just out here. <laughs> um, yeah. So for me, I also had a chance to go to a pre-screening, but mine was a pre-screening of a film that's been out for over 10 years. So I went to go watch Avatar. But I must first say that I had never seen Avatar before. And Sorry? I would, I'd never seen it. I know, And I had no real urge to go and watch it. Like it just wait. Was this the first Avatar, like the yeah. original? Oh. Yeah, two thousand and one. I've never seen it. I well, I mean, I think I've talked about it on Twitter before. Like, I I just had no inkling. And even when we got the invite, I was like, eh, you know what? You know, maybe I should just go watch it. And I before watching it, I was still like, will I really enjoy this? It just looks like, in my opinion, it just looked like very much like a. It looked boring, I'm not going to lie. And I was just like, I was probably <laughs> people just rave about it because of the effects. But I went to the screening. I was crying. I was in this movie full of, I was like cheering. I was, okay, not out loud, but I mean, in my head, I was cheering. I was like swearing. Um, I, I had a good time. So, I mean, it's been over 10 years and the film still looks amazing. Like, on, on like in 3D and IMAX. Um, so if you want to refresh before the sequel comes out in a few months' mm-hmm. time, I would suggest like because it's re-released in cinemas, like the cinema is the best place to watch it. Um, mm-hmm. Because I mean like the home screen doesn't give you that same effect. And I know for a fact, if I was up, if I don't watch this at home, I'd been on my phone. I know myself too well. <laughs> so I'm glad that the first time I watched it was in the cinemas. And um, so, you, so if you haven't seen it, this is a great time to watch it. If you want to refresh before watching the sequel, because obviously it's mm-hmm. been a long time since the first movie came out, then I would suggest go and watch it. Um, I'm, I'm actually, it was such a brilliant idea, I think, for the producers or and stuff to re-release the film in cinemas, because that is the best way to watch it. So yeah, so I've been crashing on Avatar. I'm a very delayed, but... <laughs> But yeah, I, I, but I'm, I'm finally I've joined the the choir. I've I've joined the crowd. I've I agree with you. It's, yeah, it's a great movie, um, and I'll probably go watch the sequel now because of that. But yeah, um, that's all from us this week. Next week we'll have another great show for you. Um, but yeah, bye guys. See you next week. Me, you can find at Karen Walby on Instagram, at Karen Walby's with an S on Twitter, and sign up for my newsletter, Wildest Dreams, at wildestdreams.substack.com. The podcast can be found at Crushing On Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, 
and TikTok. You can find us at What's IGN Crushing On on YouTube. And you can find more information about this and all our other episodes on our website, crushingonpodcast.com. Send any feedback to mail at crushingonpodcast.com. And you can send us voice notes at plus two seven seven eight three six two two five six six. Join our Facebook group, Crushing On Club, where we chat about the show, celebrity news, recommendations, the whole shebang. The show is produced by me, Karen, as well as Rebecca Barchers and Leanne Philipson. The show is edited by Rebecca Barchers. Our logo was designed by Nathifa Maruf, and the show was created in partnership with IGN Africa. If you like the show, tell everyone that you can, any way that you can. Keep up to date with episodes by subscribing to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate and review the episodes on Apple Podcasts as it helps others to find the show. We'll be back next week with another in-depth conversation with a pop culture lover. See you then.